and welcome to an all-new episode of the Audio Choke, the podcast that chokes you. I don't know. I haven't thought of a, a tagline. Whatever I was going to say there was probably going to be awful. But anyways, thanks for listening here at MMATorch.com. Maybe you've downloaded us on iTunes, and we sure do appreciate just being with you. Over the phone today, we have... Greg Rowland. And I'm in person. I'm Tobin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins in the studio as well at the uh, secret location of the Audio Choke podcast deep within the uh, jungles of Alaska. That's right. We don't want you guys to know where we're at. So what do we have going on today, guys? So there's a UFC this weekend. What? Shut up. Yeah. Oh, well, these are their It's Quentin like every other weekend. Too. So there's a UFC coming up. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting, and uh, there's there's plenty of time for trash talk still between Rampage and Rashad, but uh, I think they've proven they don't really need extra time. They they've they've filled quite a bit with uh, just talking smack. And it's getting gotten to a boiling point almost. Who do you think has the better of it? Because Mr. Uh, Hollywood, Quentin Rampage Jackson, you know, he's probably been taking a lot of acting classes and stuff like that. So I think that could be the only exchange he's going to win between uh, uh, Rashad. Rashad got to bust out the stop pretending to be a stupid black man insult. Oh, man, almost Which, calling him an Uncle Tom? Maybe he was a... Because there, there was some press conference, or a phone, um, I was totally, a phone call uh, conference type thing. I just totally forgot what those are called. But, uh, you know, where they had uh, media on the phone, that sort of thing, a media conference, and... Um, yeah, Rashad said some stuff, and Quentin got all like, whoa, stop using big words on me. And then Rashad basically called him out for pretending to be dumb and not knowing what big words are and saying how that's hurting their image in the sport, that sort of thing. And that got really weird and then devolved into uh, homophobic uh, slurs towards each other. So that was interesting. I don't think any of that will make it on the Countdown show, I'll be honest. but uh, Probably not. It, it, it was just a smack talk, I would think, about how they're going to knock each other out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know. I hate that mother. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they both have they both are good at kind of smack talking in their own separate ways. I mean, Rampage definitely comes across as the more kind of goofy guy for sure, whereas Rashad uh kind of goes right for the heart, huh? I mean, he, he he just he just gets in there with like, you know, kind of like legit criticism where Rampage just kind of goes for, you know, throws throws whatever he has on the top of his head at you. So. Which is pretty pretty much sums up their uh, coaching styles as well from the Ultimate Fighter. What are you saying? Rampage wasn't a good coach? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would kind of agree with Tobin's, uh, Tobin's way of looking at that. Rampage is certainly the more entertaining of the two, I would say, in the smack talk. But, you know, at the same time, the, the stuff that uh, Rashad Evans a lot of times just cuts right down to the bone. So, um, you know, I don't know that one is necessarily better than the other, especially since Smack Talk is, you know, like not really like something you can judge the fighters on. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's certainly been a lot of fun watching the two guys go at it, and uh, it makes the fight that much more interesting to watch. Yeah, have you guys been keeping up with the uh, the countdown shows they've been doing? I haven't because my cable box sucks, oh. and uh, I need to get a new one. I, I've not been able to spike TV because apparently I wore that channel out. You broke it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I, I didn't see the first one, but uh, they're doing the the last one will wrap up this Wednesday, I believe. But I saw the second part of it last week, and it was a uh, it was pretty good. Nothing we haven't really seen before, but I just kind of like that where they kind of go in more depth with just the two fighters, like the kind of twenty four seven experience. It's kind of kind of neat. Got to see a bit of their training camps, that sort of thing. Rashad's, of course, doing stuff with uh, Greg Jackson, all of that. Kind of Rampage fun to see him. Out in England. Yeah, yeah, and he's—I uh, think he's flying over here soon if he hasn't already. But yeah, they've shown some of the stuff. Uh, yeah, they showed like his last, you know, training session with the guys in England before they were getting ready to come over. And I saw um, Rashad actually working some wrestling with uh, King Mo the Wall of Strike Force. So that was kind of interesting. That was another thing I've kind of read a, a little bit of smack talk about. I don't know if there was a, a face-to-face at all, but I guess uh, Rampage and King Mo. Are uh, certainly not friends anymore. They, they have beef. Yeah, there's a YouTube video floating around of that. And them riding in a van together, and uh, there's a bit of a bit of a talk devolved into a. I don't know if it was a full out argument or what, but uh, yeah, it was a bit of. They had words, for sure. It's uh, I think that was last year sometime. But yeah, it's floating around on YouTube. If anyone is uh, interested in checking that out, King Mo and uh, and Rampage Jackson. Yeah. 
Mm. Fascinating. Having beef. Yeah, that's too bad. One one day. Well, who's going to win the match, though? Because I sincerely doubt that. You shot a rampage? Yeah. Um, I guess we want to give away our picks now. I'd have to go with... uh, uh, all kinds of caveats involved here, but uh, I've got to say uh, I'd favor Rampage if he comes in in like the right mindset and in good shape. He's got he's got better stand up. He's he's a very good technical uh, you know boxer that sort of thing. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise or uh, Rashad could also you know go for the takedowns, work wrestling on him. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen, but I mean I, I do favor Rampage at this point. I think he'll probably take it you know probably in the third round or something like that. If, again, if he's coming in like in the right. And he's had a history of not coming in in the right mindset or having issues surrounding his training camps. So um, with that caveat in place, I'll take Rampage. Yeah, I look at this as being a fight where it's kind of the strength against the speed um, and the boxing against the wrestling. Like Rampage is strong as hell, and he's got incredible re- uh, boxing for mixed martial arts. He, he came into mixed martial arts primarily as a wrestler, but has really worked on his boxing over the years. And has gotten to the point where that's basically his strongest uh, point. Rashad Evans is a pretty small guy at 205. There's been talk over the years about how he could make it down to middleweight if he really wanted to. Uh, and he's got outstanding wrestling. So I think he would probably have the advantage in the takedowns. But, you know, who knows how that would work against Rampage's strength. The, uh, the thing I think that makes me want to lean towards Ram- uh, Rashad, though, is, you know, that question mark that's over Rampage's head right now. We pretty much know how Rashad's going to come into this fight because, you know, he, he's a very consistent fighter. Rampage is not only inconsistent uh, when he's doing good, but, you know, he's been inactive for a year. He blamed his Forrest Griffin fight on inactivity, and that was less time than the last time he's fought this time around. He's been taking time off doing a movie um, and the Ultimate Fighter, so... You know, he, he may come in and be the best Rampage that's ever fought, but I would find that to be unlikely. Uh, if I if it was the best Rampage against the best Rashad, I'd probably have to think it over and might switch my pick to Rampage. But given the situation and the timing of this fight, I'm going to have to lean with Rashad. And I would have to agree with that uh, sentiment just because of the you know everything that's been going on over the past two years and things like that. I think that Rashad has more to work for. I think that he probably has a longer career ahead of him in the UFC, and I think he's the guy to uh, to beat. All right, very good. Uh, if Rampage loses, I'm just going to defend my pick by saying he went crazy on energy drinks, so yeah. <laughs> won't be a problem there. And, and we won't point and laugh at you. I got my excuses in place. Really, I mean, the the, the guy, you know, Rampage is the uh, the favorite, I would say, at least to the to the masses. Yeah, I, I, I I haven't seen an official line, but I'm pretty sure he's the favorite. And I mean, he's he's a top. They're both really, you know, high up there on the light heavyweight, you know, rankings. They're both really top rate uh, ranked guys. I think this is going to be a close fight, but uh, we'll see. Like I said, I could see it going either way, but I, I do kind of favor Rampage just for his, uh, you know, stand up acumen. But we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were gonna, you know, we were gonna have Forrest Griffin on this card, but that's not the case anymore. That he uh, had to pull out of the uh, the fight with uh, Little Nog. So uh, that kind of yeah, takes a li- li- little bit of the star power away. Uh, we still get to see little Noguera, um, mm-hmm. although the uh, the guy he's fighting against is, uh, you know, he doesn't have the name value of Forrest Griffin. You don't know who uh, Jason Brills is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not so much. Yeah, not not Forrest Griffin. I'll just leave yeah. it at that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's a very solid opponent, but this is going to be a match that Noguera should win. And a lot of people were picking Noguera over Forrest Griffin. Even Forrest Griffin kind of joked around about how he didn't like the style matchup. He was not looking forward to fighting Noguera. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is uh, this should be a fairly easy win for Noguera, I would think. Yeah, yeah, you were mentioning, you know, people were picking uh, Noguera either way, and I kind of lean that way. You know, I think the the result's probably going to be the same with Little Nog picking up the win. Um, I don't know too much against Jason Brills, for, so, you know, not like I get it right at halftime anyways, but for a method or a round, I wouldn't even venture a guess, but I do think is probably going to take this this fight. Uh, I don't know if it goes as far as it's called a so- showcase fight, but, you know, at least get his name out, you know, get his name out there for UFC fans who just, like, only see him fight, fought, uh, you know, once before in the UFC, so hopefully this will be good, uh, good exposure for him, get his... Uh, 
throw, yeah, well, throw his would, name into contention, I would think. I mean, he's he's pretty high up there on the in the rankings to begin with, just from his experience elsewhere. So, I would argue that he probably doesn't need a whole lot of exposure with the uh, casual MMA fans, just because he is the uh, damn near identical twin brother of the other Nogueira and has a damn near identical name. Yeah. So, I mean, between the two of them, um, it's likely that. A lot of these people who are interested in seeing him fight uh, have no idea that he's actually not the same Noguera that was the <laughs> Ultimate Fighter 8 coach. Yeah. It's like, wow, he lost a lot of weight. Oh. No, that's a good point. I mean, people might not, at least people will be familiar with the name, you know, whether they have the right one or not. That's a good point. So, um, other than that, I mean, uh, so that with the forced uh, Noguera fight kind of falling through, I mean, it really is Michael Bisping and Dan Miller who got the uh, the co-main event spot, which is kind of, uh, I mean, that's not that's not a bad fight, honestly, but, uh, you know, kind of surprised to see those guys who are both kind of uh, not not in the upper echelon in their weight division getting uh, get to that spot, but uh, that, should, that should be a fun fight. I'm not, uh, not entirely sure how I lean on this fight, honestly. I mean, it's pretty... Uh, Pretty tough to call. I mean, Dan Miller, I think, is coming back for back-to-back losses. Um, yeah, but there's no shame in losing to uh, either of those guys. He lost to Damian Maia and Kale Sanu. Yeah, both but, through decision, though. Yep. Yes, both decisions. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, both those guys have either challenged for or will challenge for the middleweight belt. So, yeah, no, nothing nothing to hang his head about there. But uh, you, you never know how a couple losses in a row will affect a guy mentally, mm-hmm. you know. We'll, we'll but Bisping see. himself has lost two out of his last three. Yeah, and he took a tough, uh, tough decision loss to uh, Silva in his last fight, or Vondelay Silva, right? That was uh, yeah. That was yeah, uh, and that was a close fight. That you know, like I think Vondelay Silva earned it, but yep. it was one of those fights where had Bisping ended up getting the decision, I don't think I would have gotten too bad a heartburn over the deal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I just. Um, you know, I've seen Bisping fights, you know, obviously on multiple occasions, but I'm still just, like, not that, like, up on his ground game, which is really where Dan Miller could give him, you know, uh, troubles, I would think. You know, if it stays standing for too long, I'd, I'd favor Bisping. But, um, you know, I, I think I've seen him get into a few bad spots there on the ground before, and I don't, I don't know how, like, how, how good, you know, what level his ground game's at. But, I mean, if, if Dan Miller can get it down there, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, uh, you know, maybe pull off some sort of submission, something like that. I wouldn't entirely rule it out, but I think I'm going to have to lean with Bisping on this one. I kind of see him in the uh, the position that Sean Shirk had been considered for a long time, where he was kind of the gatekeeper for the stars. Yeah. Um, Bisping is probably never going to be the champion, but at the same time, he's a good opponent, and he can beat a lot of guys. Uh, and, you know, that, that's evidenced by his record, where he's got a lot of wins and only a few losses. And the guys who have beaten him, are some pretty big names in the sport. You know, he lost to Dan Henderson, Vanderlei Silva, and Rashad Evans. Yeah. And um, I mean, two of the three were decisions. So it's not like he uh, he sucks. He kind of gets some criticism for the guys he's fought over the over the years because the UFC really did a good job of building him up slowly. They, uh, they kind of protected him, you could say. But at the same time, you know, he went out and he won those fights. And uh, I mean, Dan Miller is good, but he's not great. So, I think I'm going to go with uh, Bisping by decision on this one, most likely. All right. Matt? Um, I would have to go for Bisping, and I think that Dan Miller, if he gets another decision or if he loses um, by a, you know, decisively, then he'll probably be out of a job. Going to call him Decision Dan? I hope not, because if you call him that, then he's probably not going to be hanging around the UFC for that much longer. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in a firing mood, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of really good up-and-comers on the way that I'm sure the UFC would love to grab, and they're just looking for fat to cut away, including you, Kimbo Slice, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, definitely with, you know, a couple losses in a row. Um, it's always kind of hard to tell who the UFC is going to cut after a loss, that sort of thing. Sometimes you get surprised, sometimes not. Um, and Dan Miller, I think, is kind of one of those cases where he, I mean, just because kind of what he's shown in the past has been pretty impressive, but then when you know he he's also has those two losses in a row, if this would be three, I mean, that's a, that's a kind of tough argument to keep him around. But I mean, from a you know win loss perspective, yeah, don't let it go to the judges though, which is stop saying that. <laughs> I know, I know, but I think that you know Dana White is starting to believe it as well oh, from himself. He painted it on a house in the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's becoming more of a. Uh, 
mantra. A, a, a more of a mantra than it yeah. should be, and it's probably going to keep that way for for a while. Yeah. Oh, I, I could see uh, I could see him keeping his job if he loses this fight, though, just because he's got that uh, he's got the brother also in the UFC, Jim Miller, and uh, the UFC really seems to like to hype these Miller brothers. Um, they kind of make a, a duo, I guess, out of uh, out of the deal, which isn't really necessarily a fair thing, but they, they seem to get a lot more just talk from uh, from the announcers. I don't know if it's maybe just Mike Goldberg has a crush on him, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I could see him losing this fight and still having a job, even though that would be three in a row, and usually that pretty much means it's over. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of a feeling I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, excellent point. We know the UFC is just crossing their fingers for a tag team division, and then the, the Miller brothers can get in there. <laughs> yeah, and fight the Diaz brothers. Yeah. F those F and Diaz brothers. It's a great, great fight. So what else do we got on the card? I mean, there, we got I know Amir Sadal is fighting on the undercard. Uh, oh, Todd Duffy. Todd Duffy's the uh, one making some headlines recently, saying he's uh, he's been overhyped, which is it would, nice. That's to see. funny because I've never heard of him. He he has the he owns the UFC's fastest knockout now. Oh, the over, seven second one. Yeah, over uh, it's what Tim Haig, I believe it was. And it's so hard to really get a grasp of a fighter if he knocks somebody out in seven seconds. Yeah. You know that's that's cool but he's and big everything. Big and buff, and looks like he beat up Brock Lesnar. Absolutely, yeah. but you know, seven second knockout really doesn't tell me too much about you. So yeah, he's probably a wise man for saying he's uh, being overhyped, even though I haven't heard of him. Right. Uh, I mean, it was his first fight in the UFC, UFC 102, uh, six seven second knockout over Tim Haig. Uh, he's six and zero. Oh, um, you know, that's uh, got wins over Asensio, uh Silva, Josh Bennett. And he's made it to the main card. Yeah, he's on the main card now, and I think a part part of that is you know, especially being in the heavyweight division, despite them like the top of the heavyweight division being very talented and them having a bit more depth there. Like overall as a whole division, uh, once you get kind of lower down in the rankings, the the talent level there's a steep drop off there. Yeah. Whereas you can have very low ranked guys in other divisions like lightweight divisions who are still very good. They're just not like top ten. Uh, but in, in in heavyweight, it's uh, you know you you can. Uh, you can rise quickly, I guess, is what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, but it's also really easy to get on the main card if you're a heavyweight. Yeah. They like their heavyweights. And, uh, yeah, he's taking on Mike uh, Russo, who I'm not really familiar with uh, too much, just checking his record out here. Uh, looks like he is 12-1. Uh, and one. And uh, his one loss was at Pride to Sergey Karantana, which is, uh, you know, nothing to be ashamed of there. Yeah. Yeah, back in good old Pride days. What, Pride 33, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the last uh, one. Yep. And his uh, his last win was over Justin McCulley uh, at UFC 102. Yeah, which took was a, his uh, UFC debut. Yeah, yeah, it took a three round decision. So um, I I don't know. I mean, not to overhype Todd Duffy or anything like that, but he did look impressive again. Six second knockout. <laughs> you can't say a lot there. Um, so I, it's it's even hard for me to call favorites here, but um, Todd Duffy. Uh, I don't know. He's training with Extreme Couture, I believe. Um, he, he just kind of has that, uh, and it's like nothing, nothing having seen him fight, but he's just, you watch him, you, you see him, you know, in, and again, in his quick win and everything, he just kind of had that, like, that factor, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's got potential, and who knows if that's just people buying into, like, oh, that guy's, like, big and buff or or whatever, but he looks like he could go places, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really too early to tell, but um, I don't know, I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in this fight against Mike Russo. We'll see. I don't think it'll be. Uh, I don't think it'll be another record-breaking knockout, anything like that. Yeah, get him in five seconds next time. <laughs> Just do a, a jump kick to start the fight, or something like that. Fire yeah. kick. I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts about this fight in terms of uh, you know predictions because I'm really not all that familiar with uh, either of these fighters. Yeah. So I'm just gonna just gonna leave that one out, but. I do think that it's good to see that Todd Duffy is saying that he's overhyped because that pretty much means that he's not buying into his own hype. Yeah. Which, you know, I could see if you have the record for the this knockout ever that you would, you know, maybe uh, think you're, you know, capable of just doing that to anyone. So it's good that he's not getting that kind of attitude. I agree, yeah. It's, it's good to have see some uh, fighters with a good head on their shoulders there and not uh, – not wanting to jump right into the deep waters, but kind of develop slowly, which is a uh, always good. Um, 
Other than that, I mean, we got Diego Sanchez back at 170, I believe, fighting John Hathaway, who's coming off a win over, uh, I think, Paul Taylor, I believe. Yeah, Paul Taylor. That is correct. Yep. So, uh, and yeah, this is Diego Sanchez's first fight back at 170 and first fight uh, since um, getting his face rearranged by BJ Penn, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was a pretty quick trip down to 155. Yeah. Well, you know, he had two decision wins, which were against some pretty good opponents, but, uh, you know, he, he didn't put either of them away. Although that fight with Clay Guida, you know, it, it makes you wonder how Guida kept going after some of those shots that he took. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, that fight with BJ Penn was uh, one of the more embarrassing performances in mixed martial arts that I've ever seen. Yeah, it was just uh, but, a... you know, he, he had a lot of great fights at, uh, at 170 before he made the drop down. So uh, it, it's good to see him back there. I think he he probably had more. Oh, well, he definitely had more success at at 170. Even though he never reached a title shot, he he only lost two fights. And uh, you know, one was Josh Koscheck and the other was John Fitch. So those are top guys. And the Koscheck one, uh, apparently, he had a pretty gnarly staff infection. Mm. And uh, you know, both those fights were by decision. So he's, uh, you know, he he could be a top guy at 170. I don't know if he'd ever make a title, but uh, you know, he could probably he could add some life to the division that's uh, pretty much uh, dominated by GSP right now. Just looking at uh, John Hathaway, he's defeated right now uh, at 12 and 0. But just looking at his record, uh, you know, he's got some good wins. The last couple of ones are by decision, though, and uh, you know, like none of these guys are really on the caliber. Yeah, definitely. And I, I hate to do MMA math, but I mean, you can't help help it looking at looking at their records. I mean, yeah, just kind of Diego Sanchez's resume and you know the quality of opponents he's fought so far. I mean, I, I would definitely favor him in this fight. Um, but but who knows? I mean, John Hathaway just kind of taking that steady step up in uh, competition. He said the last win, you know, he's got wins over Rick Story, Paul Taylor most recently, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. But yeah, I definitely favor Sanchez in this fight, unless uh, I don't know. Unless his stevia supplies run out or something like that, I'm not really sure. Hmm. Yeah. I, think be, uh, I think it'd be good. As long as he doesn't have yes cartwheels before the fight, I think he should be good. Nope. Uh, I'm excited though. We'll get the uh, hopefully get the yes chant on the way to the ring. It's good. Well, I think that's a pretty much guarantee. Yeah. Fingers crossed. What, what do you What do you think of our favorite uh, crazy person there, Matt? I love it. Yeah. Still looking for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> really. You're still looking up Voyage of the Rock Aliens? That wasn't even it. Yeah, that's the name of it, 1996. Nuh -uh. Yep. No. That's the Keep title going movie. on. All right. Well, sorry to distract you from your IMDb quest for a bad mid-'80s Aliens movie. I guess me and Greg will talk about Amir Sadala versus Don Young Kim. Yeah. That's, that's going to be Amir. fun. Yeah. This, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this fight. I think that's one of the Spike TV cards, right? I couldn't tell you. All right. But we'll I, say yes. I, I, won't, I won't doubt you. Yeah, I, I believe so. I'm trying to – I think they're uh, – the, yeah, that's one of the shows I believe they're doing, the uh, the Spike TV broadcast prelims. So, um, no, Amir Sadala versus uh, the Stun Gun. That uh, – I mean, Amir's shown – I guess, what, his last impressive performance was against Phil Baroni, which, you know, I, I don't know how much uh, – you can take away from that fight other than Phil Baroni ran out of gas, couldn't knock Amir Sadal out in the first two minutes. Actually, I'm going to correct you there. He's uh, fought and defeated Brad Ooh. Blackburn since then. Yeah, bad Brad Blackburn, right. Phil Baroni was, uh, yeah, 106, and then he fought at Fight Night 20. I got gotcha. you. Thank you for the heads up on that. Those are pretty good. Those are only two months apart. Yeah, those, he was uh, he was fighting uh, back yeah, to back there for busy. a bit. Yeah. And I mean, even that Fight Night was uh, only a few months ago, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he took a really long time off after uh, after the Ultimate Fighter. He had some injuries, and uh, since since coming back, he got knocked out pretty quickly by uh, Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. But, I mean, this is kind of his fourth fight in the last, like, nine months. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, it's hard to say. I mean, Amir Sadal is just, like, still an unknown. I mean, yeah, he's gotten some good wins recently, but, I mean, he really is only 3-1 and one professionally, whereas, uh, you know, Kim's been around for a while, and, you know, he's got some... Uh, had some decent fights under his belt. I think he lost a uh, took a decision loss to Dan Hardy among among those. You know, 
Um, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've seen him fight, honestly. But uh, you know, he's got a win over uh, T.J. Grant. Um, I think his before that it was a, a no contest back at 90 uh, UFC 94 with Carol Parisian because I believe that was one where yeah. uh, Parisian tested positive for some stuff after the fight, right? Yeah, uh, Parisian won the decision, um, but then had it overturned by the athletic commission. And actually, just looking at uh, at the stun guns record here, uh, Kim, he is undefeated. Uh, so I don't think it's Dan Hardy fight yeah. that's ever taken place. I'm, I'm done least, and just confusing people at this yeah. point. So at yeah. least not according to Sure Dog Fight Finder, which there are fights out there yeah. that it doesn't have, but they're they're pretty yeah. pretty obscure for the most part. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just gonna chalk that up to misremembering things. I'm probably like just being dumb and racist and mix, mixing up uh, my uh, you know Asian Korean fighters that sort of thing. That could happen. So many apologies there, but yeah, no, I mean, so what I've seen from the stun gun uh, before, I mean, especially that, um, I think it was the Matt Brown fight that kind of really stuck out to me, which is back at uh, 88, UFC 88, but I mean, that was, uh, he's just shown, uh, I don't, he's just a fun guy to watch, you know, he's um, really entertaining for the yeah. most part, and just willing to work, you know, kind of, for the most part, most aspects of the game there, and uh I don't, I don't know. I, I'd favor him this fight against Amir, but I mean, I, and then it's not to cut Amir short at all. It's just like really looking at the uh, the strength of who they fought and you know where where they've been in the sport so far. But I mean, Amir's proven a lot of people wrong so far, and he, he's shown some really good. You know, his stand up, his Muay Thai in the past couple of fights has been really impressive. But uh, you know, I, I'd take Kim in this fight. Yeah, Amir doesn't seem to have the power in his strikes. Um, at least he hasn't really gone for the kill so much. But he's been working the very technical Muay Thai. Uh, Kind of along the lines of uh, Kenny Florian, um, where you know he'll he'll land a lot of shots, a lot of body shots. He'll wear you down, and uh, you know he's been winning the decisions that way. Granted, it hasn't been against stellar competition. But, I mean, the guy's only had four fights, so uh, I don't think they can expect too much from him in terms of guys he's fought against. Um, one thing I think is interesting to note, though, uh, Kim's last fight against T.J. Grant was at UFC 100, Lesnar versus Mir Two which was a long time ago. So I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, uh, what's up with that layoff? Yeah, I don't know. It might have been a, uh injury, something like that. I'll see if I can uh, dig something up here. But, uh, yeah, coming off from a layoff is always kind of, you know, whether it was an injury or not, I mean, you always got to kind of wonder about that. You know, yeah. how, how's that going to, you know, because you always going to have the ring rust, that sort of thing. Especially when Amir's had three fights in that time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about who I think is going to win this fight. Also, just because uh, Amir is such an unknown, even though he's you know had basically his entire career now in the UFC, is like he's only got a few fights under his belt, um, and uh, two of them are extremely short, and the other two are some pretty subpar competition. So yeah. it's really hard to say how this fight's going to go. Um, I'm going to root Amir though. I, I like him. Yeah, uh, he seems like a nice guy. Looks like it was a knee injury uh, for Kim. He was supposed to fight Chris Lytle at UFC 110. Mm. Uh, so, sounds like, yeah, I mean, so that doesn't sound too bad if he was getting, you know, had been training before that, that sort of thing. So, it hasn't been a, a hor- horrifically long layoff, but, uh, you know, just recovering from a knee injury. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. I don't know. It's uh, it's always tough. But, uh, yeah, I'd favor him even, uh, but, you know, that that injury could always come back and be uh, be an issue there. We'll have to see how it, how it plays out. And moving on, we've got our fifth and final Ultimate Fighter winner on the card. There used to be six when Forrest Griffin was on here, but we've got Efrain Esquerdo. Yes. Fighting on against uh, D'Lo Dan Lozon. Yeah, there's all kinds of uh, drama sur- surrounding this fight now. Yeah. So apparently Dan got kicked out of his camp, including his brother kicked him out. Yeah. Sounds like there's some work ethic questions raised, you know, uh, timing of tattoos, that sort of thing, and uh, yeah, so he's he had he's he's got to find some new cornermen, got to find some more people to uh, to work with, and uh, I, I just saw some uh, quotes online earlier from uh, Esquerdo about uh, basically saying that like, him and Dan had been friends, and he was actually kind of surprised that Dan took the fight in the first place and was was almost offended by it. He's like, hey, we used to be buddies. What's up? So. All kinds of interesting uh, non-fight drama surrounding this, but uh, now, now what's this uh, 
tattoo thing you went? Did he get a tattoo and couldn't roll or something? Um, I believe so. Let me see if I can dig up the exact. It was there was some blogging back and forth, and we all know how serious blog posts are. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the new uh, the new trash talk. I mean, all this stuff with Rashad Evans and Rampage, where they're actually like using their mouths to talk trash. That's that's the last century, man. These days, you're supposed to do it online with your keyboard. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's uh, that that really keeps up with it helps you know I guess fans and people who follow the sport kind of keep up. You know, you don't have to watch press conferences, don't have to call into conference calls, anything like that. You can just uh, see what the guys are posting online. So uh, it, it's really bizarre, but uh, yeah, in this case, it's just this weird. Uh, yeah, I guess Joe Joe Lozon claiming in one of his blog posts that uh, you know Dan's just have some issues training. He's not willing to put in the time that everyone else is, and if he's not uh, not doing that, he's it's, you know mentioning getting a tattoo in the middle of training camp, which uh, you know if you got a tattoo, you're going to be sore from that. Basically saying you can't put in the training, the right type of training that you need to. So. Sounds like more of a personal issue. Than better, been a, better have been a really awesome tattoo, that's all i got to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to lose your fight camp over it. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes you wonder. Uh, I mean, we, we know that Efrain has got a really good wrestling and has got good cardio. So if he can drag this out into the second, third round, um, it, it's going to be hard to pick against him, against a guy who uh, has had this kind of talk about him recently. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go with the square on this one. I mean, Lozan, I believe, is coming off of um, a loss to uh, Cole, Cole, Miller? Cole Miller. Cole Miller, yeah. Taking a, taking a pretty nasty uh, submission loss there, which was uh, pretty nifty to see. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just with all this, yeah, I, and I don't even know necessarily if I'd favor him before all this drama going on with, the, you know, Team Lozan, the Lozan family. But uh, certainly now, it, uh, I don't think it's going to help at all. And uh, you know, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to favor a square in this. We're, we're Is it that hard to find new camp? Why? Well, with the, this happened last week. Mm. If this had happened you know, a couple months ago or something, no, I mean it's not that hard to find a new camp. But I mean, you you have, you know, your you know habits, that sort of thing, people you're used to training with. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think there's something to be said for the the camaraderie of your camp. Yeah, uh, you, you got guys that you're used to. I mean, these guys. As a general rule, stay in the same camps for years. I mean, Ken Shamrock's still with the Lions, then. Yeesh. I, yeah. Uh, people don't tend to switch camps unless there's a good reason to. I mean, sometimes, like, this new camp comes out of nowhere, like Greg Jackson, who, you know, has just produced all kinds of winners. And he'll steal a lot of people from other camps. But for the most part, you find a camp, you pick them, you go with them, and they're your camp. Because, uh, you know, you don't just want to be switching all the time. That's... That, can't be good for your career because you get into your routine, you get guys that know your strengths and uh, can help you with your weaknesses, and if you're constantly switching, you're going to be with a bunch of guys that they're probably familiar with you, they've seen you on the UFC, but they aren't as familiar with you as guys that you train day in, day out. Yeah, and if it was just him switching camps, I mean, people do that, that's not necessarily that big of a problem uh, in itself, but I, a lot of with him sounding like getting actually kicked out of camp, especially by, you know, a family member, I, I think there's going to be like a mental factor playing into that as well, which could be just, you know, not in a good emotional spot. Who knows? Sure, or he'll just really want to win, you he'll know. He'll just want to rage. Yeah, yeah, who knows. But uh, interested to see how that plays out. I don't know, man. That should be good. A lot of, uh, a lot of good drama going into that one. Yeah. Some, some unforeseen buildup coming in, coming in there. Other than that, I'm not seeing, uh, you know, um, Luis uh, Arthur Kane taking on Cyril Diabate, who I have not seen before. Uh, you know, Kane's looked good before, except for then that loss he took to uh, Little Nog, I think was his yeah. last fight. But before that, I mean, he looked he looked pretty impressive and also looks like the mummy from the mummy movies. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he he's had some pretty uh, pretty fun fights uh, with Sokaju, and uh, his most recent win was Steve Cantwell. So, I mean, he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't an established, you know, like, big name yet, but he was kind of moving his way up until he got uh, stopped pretty pretty significantly by uh, Little Nog. Yeah, and then we got uh, Melvin Gouillard against uh, Waylon Lowe, which is another fight I don't really have a whole lot to say about. Melvin Gouillard is uh, he's the name of that fight, obviously. Uh, not a whole lot of people, I mean, I, I'm at least not very familiar with Waylon Lowe, but Melvin Gouillard is a guy who, uh, as a general rule, either wins or loses spectacularly. Uh, usually he'll win standing up or he'll 
fall directly into submission. Yeah. Oh, no. And he's gone. We lost All right. Well, it's time for us to bravely carry on, Tobin. The number you dialed is not a working number. Please check the <laughs> they number. They shut off Greg's phone. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. You can hang up now. I kind of want to listen to this, actually. Message three. AK-01-MN. He's dead. All right. Well, cool. This has been an audio show with no problems whatsoever. I can't find the movie title. Uh, Did you think I was lying when I said it no, was No, it wasn't voice- it, though. Like I, sure? I, I, I clicked on it, and it wasn't it. I remember the poster, mostly. So it's these big-headed green aliens. They're wearing pilot jackets. They have sunglasses, and it looks like that they're surfing in a rocket. Um. So yeah, that that rock and roll. I think you're have, making this up. I really am not. I sure hope not. Should we call him back? Oh yeah, I guess we could do that. Need a reminder, or uh, can you get the soft memory? Wait on me. Ah shoot. <laughs> All right, hold on. Nine four seven. Yes, nine four seven. Ten seventy four. They have those jackets. Hey. Hey. So, so we cut off right in the middle of you breaking down how Melvin Gillard uh, either wins spectacularly or loses spectacularly, and I, I added in that he uh, usually falls into submissions when he loses. Oh yeah, that's actually what I was saying when all of a sudden I realized that uh, yeah that I was no longer connected. He uh, he's got one of the quickest tap hands I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't get caught into some really tight submissions, but you know, you could put in a choke and it's like bam, uh, tap it right away, which is you know it's good I guess, uh, save the brain cells. Uh, you know, it's just like a, a lot of guys will like go ahead and fall asleep, and you know, some guys will be like, I'm gonna gonna try and work out of this, see if I can, and then I'll tap out when I realize that I got it, and he's just like instant game over. Yeah, se- seven of his eight losses coming by uh, submissions. So uh, yeah, which is just kind of amusing. But uh, he- he's a very good fighter standing up, and uh, I think his last fight he actually went to a decision, which, as far as I know, is a first. Yeah, that, uh, was, uh, that was really weird. I thought so. Uh, you know, it's good to see that he's expanding his game. I believe he also went to Greg Jackson's camp recently. So uh, you know, at least he's becoming more well-rounded. I would think because he's always kind of been. One of those kind of dudes like uh, like Paul Daly, where he's like, you know, I'm a stand-up striker and I've got an extremely limited ground game, so I'm going to talk a whole lot of smack and, you know, like I've got a sprawl, but I'm going to try, try and get this guy to stand up with me where where he's got the advantage. And, you know, as it turns out, a lot of times he ends up getting uh, submitted instead. And we have a special guest commentator here on the audio choke. Uh, Leroy Brown is with us today. Yeah, we saw Bird. And it's fine. Hey, Leroy. Oh, it's fine. There's there's a bird in the studio. He's big, bad. Leroy Brown, baddest man in the whole dosh darn town. <laughs> he's he's meaner than a old King Kong. Meaner than a. He's he's bigger than old King Kong. Meaner than junkyard dog. Well, he tried. Yeah, so anyways, uh, I was looking up Melvin Gillard's record. <laughs> what else could go wrong here? <laughs> we had a bird literally fly through the studio. That was awesome. Um, he, he, yeah, his last win, a decision over uh, Ronnie's Torres. He does have a few other decisions. Took a split over Glayson Tebow before, uh, prior to his Nate Diaz loss. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he is kind of known for having this uh, really fun. Uh, and I haven't seen enough to say, you know, whether it's a uh, good stand-up, but it's definitely fun to watch. He definitely likes to throw. Uh, Thirteen of his wins are by TKO or KO. So, uh, but he looks like you know got, got a few some uh, decisions on his record as well, and even a couple submissions thrown in there for good luck. My big question is, how old does he have to be before he drops the young from his nickname, the Young Assassin? You know, I think that's one of those things that uh, it was just a really dumb nickname because you never hear a fighter changing their nickname. Right, it doesn't happen. And eventually he will be old. Yeah. It happens to everyone. Then he'll just it's have to be an assassin. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that he would ever change his name to the old assassin because that sounds dumb. 
not that the Young Assassin is like a really kick-ass nickname, no. but um, yeah, I, I don't know. He's not really all that young anymore. He was pretty young when he was new, but he's been around for a while. Yeah, I mean, he's got a uh, right around uh, you know over 30 fights on his record. Yeah, he's uh, not bad. Been fighting since 2002, way back in 2002. You know. Yeah. The, the good well, for days. the fight game, you know, yeah. it's quite a while. Yeah, it's, it's it's been a bit. Not a whole, not a whole lot of guys can say that they've been around in competitive fighting UFC style for yeah. for eight years. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as that card goes, those are kind of all the uh, the fights that I was good. You know, kind of missing that star power, but yeah, you know, we I, still I have that, Rampage you know, Jackson. I think the top end, the Rampage Rashad fight's really going to sell. Um, you know, I, I think having Forrest off the card hurts. Uh, I'm not sure as far as, you know, like pay-per-view buys will go because I think they've done a really good job hyping this uh, Jackson-Evans fight. And that last one, uh, I guess we got some rough numbers, you know. About, about 500,000 in the neighborhood, perhaps. Which is very excellent, I think. Yeah, that that's good for a not Brock Lesnar, not GSP card. Um, I was actually expecting it might go a little bit higher since it was a rematch of a controversial fight. But uh, I, I would expect the Rampage Jackson-Rashad Evans fight to do do. Big numbers, you know, six hundred, seven hundred thousand buys, maybe even more. Who knows? Um, you know, it's all working in its yeah. favor. I mean, yeah. I've been seeing some trailers for the A Team, and I know yeah. it's not all about you know Rampage Jackson yeah. being a uh, you know a, a character but, or an actor, but it, it certainly helps. Yeah. I mean, and there, his face is out there a lot yeah. more than just the you know the stare downs and the promo, the the promo that UFC has running. Yes. yes. Thank you. Good. Good me. Where's I, that Leroy I Brown? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um. I don't really like to speculate too much on cards. Uh. And how much they're gonna draw in terms of pay per view, just because, you know, like that doesn't really affect a whole lot in terms of uh, in terms of the action. And you know, as, as fans, that's really all that matters to us. But I would think that uh, you know, having Rampage, I guess Rashad Evans, even though this. Uh, this isn't happening when it should have at UFC 107 in Rampage's hometown. It still had a season of the Ultimate Fighter building it up. It still had a whole lot of smack shot building it up. So I can't imagine this is going to be one of those, uh, you know, 300,000 uh, pay-per-views. It's going to do pretty good, I think. Yeah, I would imagine so. Speaking of uh, promoting things and the Ultimate Fighter, this is the uh, horrible segue, but I don't know if either of you guys caught the Ultimate Fighter last week. But they literally basically had an infomercial for the UFC 2010 uh, video game, which it's it's the UFC's product, I understand, that, but like they had Forrest Griffin make a special appearance in the house and be like, hey guys, guess what we're going to play tonight? Zoom in on <laughs> UFC 2010 Undisputed. And then was there like a little mini tournament inside yeah, the house? Yeah, and testimonials like, man, that game's awesome, they improved the graphics and did stuff. He- did Head Kick McGee win? Uh, I don't remember. Okay. I, kind of, I kind of zoned out after I got after done that. laughing at the blatant product placement. Only there's a really show there's a show that does it worse than that and it's uh, Pawn Stars with oh, Subway. Have you ever seen this? I have I've heard of this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll just like yeah. yeah, they'll just walk into a Subway and then try to loosely yeah. compare Subway to what they do working at a pawn store. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah. you see you've seen that a lot more in TV shows. Um, you know, it's like live talk ads from, yeah. you know, the old days of the Tonight Show or something yeah. like that. But they're trying to fool us into thinking that's not what's happening. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not mad at the UFC. It's their product. It's their yeah. video game. It, it was just so blatant. It was just kind of like was jarring almost. Yeah. But uh, it sounds like this is going to be the week we find out what happened to Tito, why he got uh, why he, he got out of the fight with Chuck, you know. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Mad Cow Disease. I don't know. <laughs> I heard it had something to do with a shoulder injury, but, you know, that's just rumor stuff, so who knows. Yeah. I was kind of hoping some kind of rare tropical disease, maybe. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. I mean, you know, I, I would feel bad for him. Right. But. Well, I mean, we already know he's better, so that helps, I think. That's true. Like, he didn't die. Yeah. So, so as long as you don't die, you know, there's no permanent cripple thing. Uh, right. You know, cool. Yeah. So, so Tobin is like the only member of the audio choke that has been keeping up with this season of the Ultimate Fighter, oh, how's barely. it been going? Uh, um, Nick Ring, who was the uh, the favorite it, it, for the most part, I believe he was the first pick of uh, Team Punishment. Yeah, the Team Canadian Ortiz. gentleman. Yeah, the, the Canadian gentleman with the distinct accent. Yeah, uh, he he pulled out due to a knee injury. Huh. He, he's had a, it sounds like he's had several knee replacement surgeries <clears throat> in the past, the ACL, that sort of thing. 
uh, and and you know he he was having the same issues again. The doctor said basically he's like, well we can operate it on it now, or you could fight another couple times, and you know it might get way worse, or you could risk it. And he just decided you know not to risk it and just kind of take care of it now. Yeah. And, uh, when does that stop? When do you say to yourself, you know what, right. I can't fight anymore? Uh, exactly. Which is too bad because yeah, he, he again he was the favorite and a lot and of, talented. Yeah. And a lot of people had kind of picked him, and he was, you know, one of the kind of the more entertaining personalities on that show, busting out big words and all that good stuff. That's right. And Talking uh, about social contracts. Captain America poses and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's kind of sad to see him go. I couldn't tell you about the fights, honestly, which is it was too bad. I believe it was the wild card fights. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I forget one of the guys who was in it, uh, but uh, Casey, who... Casey Estrella, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was in it... Uh, he was the guy who lost by dis- uh, disqualification yeah. from the, the knee to the head, and I, I guess he lost again. So he is doubly out. That's bad. And according to the Internet, he was apparently attacked by a dog during the show also. So oh! He just has all kinds of bad luck. He does. Bad uh, luck season. Nothing really seems to be going right over there. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm sure someone will take it out on a door at some point again. Oh. So you call those yeah. doors, huh? Yeah. I, I think MacGyver, yeah. the old TV show, had uh, had better. Yeah. Better, I don't know. Yeah. You I, know what I mean. I, I do got to talk about the a little bit on the Ultimate Fighter with Nick Ring talking about his injury. He got the uh, the talk from Dana White, which of course you know just trying to figure out what's going on, and uh, you know it just kind of came across as the same thing I've seen a lot in the show. And again, it, it, it's warranted in some points, but people kind of questioning like almost the legitimacy or like the person's heart because of an injury. You're like, oh, is, are you really injured? And it didn't come across as that so much as like. Questioning his heart or his desire to How fight. How bad do you want this? Yeah, it's like, uh, well, I, I, I want it, but I also want to be able to walk at some point, I would assume. And, and knee injuries aren't... I've had a couple friends who have had that kind of bad knee injuries with the ACL stuff down there. And that's some serious business. That'll take you out off the shelf for like a year if it gets really bad. And repetitive. I mean, yeah. knee surgeries this poor guy has gone through. Right. It's like, yeah. when do you just have to say... Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. these knee or injuries are going to be going away for him no. anytime soon. No. Yeah, but it's better to uh, at least get it fixed and then have a small injury right. again than to not get it fixed and have a debilitating injury where he can never come back. Right. Um, and and he was basically also saying, you know, he didn't feel like he did fight to his potential if he was going to be protecting his injury and just basically pulling guard. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I respect that. And, of course, there's always exceptions where guys are like, oh, I'm hurt, and maybe they aren't, but... Yeah, I always want to give a guy a benefit of the benefit of the doubt, and especially with serious injuries like that, or potentially serious injuries, you don't want to you don't want to take any chances. Yeah, mm-hmm. and why is the guy going to come in there, win two fights, and then pull out, you know, from a fake injury? Yeah, I, I think he's pretty much proved he's got a uh, got the stones at this point. It's not like uh, you know the first couple of seasons where you didn't have to fight to get on the show, and sometimes people would wuss out before their first fight. Yeah, so you got to fight to even get in the house now, and you know we're also halfway through the season. So, you know, the guy has, has proven what he has to prove. He's uh, not going to be able to prove it. That's going out the window anyway. That said, he may still get, you know, a fight in the UFC. And, uh, you know, that being a couple months down the line from when this injury would have happened, uh, you know, he can be healed up by then. And, um, you know, he, he can show what he's got then. There's been other cases where guys have had to pull out due to injury or whatever, and, uh, you know, ended up getting a fight in the UFC off the TV show and have had uh, some sort of success. Yeah, most definitely. Um, that was really all my deep thoughts on the Ultimate Fighter again, like almost none of it revolving around actual fights. But uh, we'll, we'll see. How, and, and, again, the fights haven't been really haven't been that horrible this year. It's just kind of like the formula is the same thing, and there's nothing like kind of it, – it's it really, for me, it's just kind of watch to see, like, what actually happened to Tito. And then, of course, I'm interested in the winner, that sort of thing, eventually, but – yeah. yeah. At, at this point, there's too many people to be worrying about the winner yet. Yeah. So um, other than that, you know, uh, last week we also had a Strike Force Challengers card, which I checked out on Friday. Uh, re- there's a couple good fights on there, and uh, there's Strike Force the tr- Challengers cards, much like Fight Nights. Kind of, you know, some of them are good, some of them don't take. You know, I think the one before this just really wasn't that that interesting. But uh, this one, this one had a couple uh, pretty impressive performances. Uh, I, I think the guy who came out, you know, really the most impressive was uh, Tarek Safadine, who uh, I had seen fight one or two times before uh, on a challenger's card, and he's fighting out of Team Quest now. And uh, he got a he got a KO victory over Nate Moore in the second round, and it was pretty sweet. He uh, he had landed on him earlier with a, I think an uppercut uh, from a from a kind of weird angle, which was pretty impressive. And then he you know he was just able to 
you know, hit him again and really just put him on his back, and it, it was lights out. It was it was a pretty uh, – it, it's definitely highlight-worthy. It was really impressive. Uh, you know, he worked a flying knee into his into the fight there. Oh, fun. So uh, he he's a good up-and-comer, someone to keep an eye out for. Strikeforce has been doing pretty well. You know, I've been enjoying a lot yep. of their fights. A lot of their programming has been good. You know, I think that they're really coming into their own. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, like, sometimes, like, the CBS cards are the Host things that always... CBS, yeah. everything's yeah. been it, going gangbusters for them. Right, because the expectations for those cards are so high. Like, people would be disappointed anyways, and then you have, like, some boring fights or fights that went to decision. And uh, people are like, oh, oh, it's all over. But, I mean, they, they put on good product a lot of the time. There's always going to be those nitpicky things about, like, oh, they don't show as many prelims as we want or any prelims. Uh, they ended, did end up showing um, one of those one of their prelims online earlier uh, last week, which was kind of nice of them to make that up, the uh, Shaolin-Lyle uh, Beerbomb fight. But, uh, no, and especially these challenges cards, those can kind of be surprising. Again, it's, you know, case-by-case case basis. Sometimes you get a bad one, sometimes you get a good one. But this one was just very very pleasant to watch. Lots of uh, lots of good uh, good fights on there. We had uh, Pat Healy also taking a decision win over uh, Brian Travers. Uh, Roger Bowling was the other uh, fight I was going to say came out pretty well in this out of this card, except for he um, he he won. He took a he took a unanimous decision, except for it was after he got an eye poke in the third round. So they went to the scorecards. He was winning that fight, but uh, you know, it, it just kind of unfortunate the fight ends that way on an eye poke. Uh, it sounds. It really looked like he just kind of got scratched across the eye with maybe even the fighter's glove or something like that. It wasn't even like a gouge, but he couldn't continue. And uh, of course, he, not of course. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But he he kind of got booed afterwards. People were like, oh, maybe he's, he got injured or he's faking or whatever. For whatever reason, the crowd was booing, and good old Mar Ronaldo got on them. He's like, I don't know why the crowd's booing, and that of course made them boo more. Sure. And, uh, it was awesome, but uh, no, Roger Bowling looked. He was very. Uh, I couldn't say he was like. Technically impressive, but he was really putting it on Bobby Volker, uh, landing just basically anything he wanted, all kinds of kicks and punches and stuff, and you know had a really impressive pace, which uh, you know that doesn't make a fighter, but if you can maintain that, uh, maintain a high level uh, of you know strikes, you know a good ratio of you know kicks, punches, and just kind of keep that tempo, that pace up for a while, I mean that that'll get you far. Certainly, technique plays a lot into that, but uh, he's someone to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, other than that, we had Tyron Woodley, who was uh, someone. He, he's been a prospect for a while in 170. He took a, and I think this was one of his closest fight, I believe, beating uh, Nathan Coy by a split decision. And uh, Nathan Coy was from the area; it was in Portland, Oregon. So of course, the crowd was not none too pleased with the decision. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, I think it was. I think this was the first time Woodley went to a, a decision. So that was kind of you get to see a bit more out of you know with these up and coming prospects, see what more they have to offer. Yeah, this is his, a uh, nice seven and four, uh, seven and zero record. Yeah, he's only been out of the first round once before this. Uh, his last win, his, his fourth strike force uh, yep. fight. Yeah. Yeah, and you know he's been on a lot of the challengers cards, so maybe we'll see him bumped up to the, uh, you know the, the seeing a more in a more prominent position. But uh, you know he he did seem to um, not maybe run out of steam's not the right, the right word, but you know once he kind of ran into uh, you know. Found that Nathan Coy was able to later on in the fight able to land some good strikes of his own, that sort of thing. Put it on uh, Woodley a bit, you know. It, it kind of took him out of his element for the most part. You know, Tyron Woodley had been pushing the action, pushing the pace for most of the fight, and then kind of once you know he got he got a few shots back and realized you know this guy wasn't going to go down. So he was know. standing the whole time. He seems like a submission guy. No, not not the whole time. No, but I mean just kind of like the. The, uh, the, the there was a good bit of standing, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of you know once he once he encountered a good bit of resistance from the fighter, it kind of seemed to like take him out of his game, which is to be expected. But uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how he weathered that storm and he held on for a a, a close decision. Oh, great learning yeah. experience for him. I mean, yeah. seven and zero, oh, so yeah. yeah, he's probably not used to having such resistance in an yeah. opponent. So. Yeah, and, and first time going to a decision, that's all. That's always you know I hate to use the cliche a learning experience, but it certainly is. And, um, you know, other than that, we had, uh, sorry, Spencer Pratt fans, but uh, Kevin Casey losing to Matt Lindland in the third mm-hmm, round mm-hmm. was the was the main event. And, you know, or just uh, Kevin Casey's rap career. You yeah. Know? He did come out to his own song, though, I believe. Oh, that's awesome. Did he? Yeah. All My Life Is No Surrender. I don't I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> I assume he doesn't give up, which is good. He did not. Uh, he did not. He got, he he, got knocked out. Yeah, TKO played his third round. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, um, I, I wouldn't say he was impressive in defeat, but he did uh, he did have Matt Lindland in a, in a submission early on in the first round. Uh, Lindland was able to defend it, and it didn't seem like he was in trouble that much, but, you know, he was able to get him into that rear naked choke position. 
Um, but uh, but after that was basically Matt Lindley using his wrestling, using his boxing uh, to basically you know get him down and then kind of maintain positional dominance and you know ground and pound land shots when he needed to. And yeah, basically uh, Kevin Casey had uh, had enough by the third round and the the ref called a stop to it. But uh, a lot of people, uh, I think the announcers basically, oh you know Lindley's back. And I don't know. I mean, Kevin Casey was really an unproven, uh, unproven fighter. Wait, now how did the match end? Matt Lindland wins by TKO. And just ground yeah. pound. Ground okay, pound. ground pound. Ground pound. Yeah. Sorry well, with the that. way you said it, you yeah. know, had enough. I was like, oh, oh maybe yeah, yeah. Just sorry. Quit. Yeah. yeah, no TKO do- uh, ref stoppage. Okay. Um, yeah. Matt Lindland back. Woo. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Matt Lindland looked impressive, but again, it was against someone who you know. Uh, four, you know, four fights, professional fights under the belt. Someone who mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of MMA experience. So it, it's hard to say what you take away from that, other than you know Matt Lindland seemed to maintain a, a good pace throughout the fight. I guess. Yeah, um, I mean he had the cardio to go three rounds. which, yeah. uh, You know, at least he's been training instead of politicking. Right, and he was able to defend against the submission, which is uh, something he's had issues with in the past. And again, Kevin Casey not anywhere near the level of some of the previous. Uh, Submission specialist that Winland's fought. So, what can you take away from that? I mean, his last loss was a submission to Jacare, who's one of the top, you know, jujitsu guys out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. If I'm gonna get on, you know, Matt Lindland being back, but uh, you know, I, I don't think he's washed up either. Um, but he's, I don't think he's ever gonna return to kind of like the level he was at when he was, you know, <laughs> kind of riding high in the UFC or you know, that sort of thing. But uh, I mean, you look at his losses, you know. And, again, you can't – not like you can give a guy too much credit for just, you know, getting in with a big name and losing. But, I mean, he he's fought some top-quality opponents over his career. You know, he, he's beaten, you know, the Jeremy Horns, the Travis Luters, that tor- sort of thing. And it has has fought people like, you know, Quentin Jackson, Carlos uh, – I mentioned Carlos Newton. You know, he, he even took a fight with Fedor, of course, you know, losing. Uh, lost to Vitor Belfort, lost to uh, Jacare. But, you know, he, he's competed with some of the top guys and – um I don't know. I don't think he's uh, going to be like the next Randy Couture type character. I believe he's, you know, in his 40s or so now, or right around that age. But I, I think he's still got enough left to be competitive with some with some good fighters. I don't. Uh, I don't think we'll see him on another challengers card. You know, I think he, he kind of maintained that kind of like lower lower level spot on the on the main card of a strike force card in the future. But uh, it's it's hard to say where he goes from here though. Also, just because uh, strike force has always had those kind of depth issues. I don't know. Yeah, I could see him getting back onto the main Strike Force card, but uh, like you said, that's more due to depth, I think, than it's going to be towards him uh, like proving himself. Um, you know, like yeah, he got this win, good for him, but uh, it's not like a super impressive win. Um, and he, he's definitely kind of at the twilight of his career in, in mixed martial arts. Fighters seem to have more longevity than they seem to have in certain other sports. But, um, you know, I, I can't see him making a comeback. I can see him grinding out the current pace that he's at where he's not elite, but he can beat a lot of the, uh, you know, the nobodies of the world pretty easily. Um, I mean, Dan Severin's still out there fighting, still getting some wins. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, he's in his 50s. So, I mean, if Matt Lindland wants to, he can continue fighting and continue making a living. Uh, to me, it's more an issue of if he wants to, because, I mean, like, he's gotten into politics. Uh, his buddy Kale Sonnen is also into politics. Uh, I can see them running together down the line. Um, yeah, that's a, but, that's a good ticket right there. I like yeah. That. But, um, you know, as, as far as elite status, I, I just don't see it happening again. Um, and, you know, it, it's partly due to the age, but also the fact that I think the game has passed him by. He's a he's a good fighter, uh, outstanding wrestler. He's got some stand up. He actually knocked out Jeremy Horn. He was the first guy to ever do that, and that's the guy who went four rounds with Chuck Liddell and quit because he was seeing double. Um, but then Matt Lillman just knocked him the hell out. Yeah. So he's got some power, even though he's uh, he's not the best in terms of the the technical part of striking. Uh, and, and he went a decision with Rampage. Uh, just a few years ago, like right before Rampage came into the UFC. So I mean, he's had a, a great list of credentials, but I just don't see him uh, really, like, improving from his position that he's in now. He can he can maintain, I think, but in terms of uh, moving up, I don't, I don't see it as much of a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and especially with the, the – I mean, we have that situation at middleweight with Strike Force not knowing, you know, what's going to happen with the, the title um, 
but I mean, e- even so, he he's lost to when you know one of their top you know kind of contenders you know in Jacare. So I don't even know if that kind of like you know if they have to do that unofficial kind of like elimination tournament deal to to figure out who's going to be the next Strike Force you know title holder. And I don't even think you can put his name in there at this point. You know. No, and I don't think Strike Force would really want to do that either. So, I mean, like he could potentially one of the people that Strike Force would much rather get close to a title. I could see him grinding out a victory over Robbie Lawler, uh, for example. And, uh, you know, that's not going to make anyone's day other than Matt Lindland's. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm out of uh, relevant things to talk about. Well, hold on. We just had uh, Tim Sylvia fight the strongest man in the world. Oh, right. We can talk about that. This is true. And, yeah, he, and he beat the strongest man in the world. That's right, because he's much taller and more uh, mixed martial arts skilled. Yeah. An actual MMA fighter, yes. <laughs> Despite coming in at over 300 pounds, he is still a trained MMA fighter, yes. yes. So what okay. happened? How did he beat him? Uh, tap to strikes. Yeah. How uh, fast? And I don't even know that he was uh, really striking him. I mean, I watched the video, and there was some, some ground and pound going on, but he, he uh, went to half guard, and it looked like uh, uh, Marius just kind of quit after that. Yeah, yeah, it was not like an impressive display of like, oh, he's he's close to getting knocked out, he better tap. No, it was just kind of like, he looks tired, <laughs> and he, yeah. he just tapped out. So uh, Yeah, well, the first round was a lot more interesting. Uh, it was actually a second round finish, Matt. Okay. Um, first round, you know, there, it was fairly back and forth. Uh, uh, the strong guy got the takedown, uh, but Sylvia popped back up and, and did some stuff, and, uh, you know, he just... He wore him out. Uh, apparently, you know, doing the strongman competitions, you can be strong as hell and pull a truck by your scrotum, but um, you know, it doesn't necessarily lead to being able to fight for more than five minutes. And uh, the, the second round was just a one-sided beating. Um, not that Sylvia really pours it on, but um, you know, he was he was poking away in Tim Sylvia style, and he he got it down and. Uh, advanced position, and then it was over. And then the announcer that screwed with Jim Sylvia's back. Yeah, um, this this goes kind of back to the Matt Lindland thing. Um, I mean, good on him for getting a rebound fight, but again, especially against you know, this is even worse. This guy's had two professional MMA fights before this, and, and one of them was like two weeks ago. Yeah, and he showed horrible technique in those fights. I would have been shocked if Tim Tim Sylvia had lost this fight. Um, I think everyone, you know. Expected him to win, even though, you know, people are really down on Tim Sylvia these days. But, uh, you know, he's still, again, an actual MMA fighter. Yeah, and I think what we said was if, if he loses, don't come back. Right, yeah, it's one of those yeah. things, you know, it's really just kind of a, a test to kind of see where Tim Sylvia, you know, see how he sees himself as a fighter. Yeah. And, you know, you still kind of, kind of look at him coming in at over 300 pounds. I mean, it was, you know, that wasn't, a, you know, like a weight issue for, like, the commissions or anything like that. I mean, I think it was a super heavyweight fight. But, you know, I mean, he used to fight in the UFC, and he did have to cut a bit, I believe, but, you know, fight at the 265 limit. And if you want to be taken seriously in, you know, American MMA, you got to be able to make that 265 weight limit. And, you know, even, again, if this wasn't a serious threat to him as a fighter, you know, maybe, you know, what what, are you gonna, what does it say about your kind of commitment to be like, oh, yeah, I came in, you know, th- this much overweight. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think we'll ever see him back in the UFC uh you know, he could show up at Strike Force at some point, but you got to have more wins under your belt than World's Strongest Man on your rebound, you know? Yeah, um, I could see him landing in Strike Force um, if he gets another win or two under his belt, just because he actually did win a fight, I guess, between the Ray Mercer fight and this last one, so he's currently on a two fight streak. Yes. He'll get one or two more, it's a three or four fight streak, and he always will be a former two time UFC champion. You yeah. um, know? And the more. Champion strike for can get under the belt, the better for them. So, uh, you know, he's probably never going to see the payday that he saw when he fought Fedor ever again. Not, yeah. not going to anywhere near that. Yeah, he made but, some. Uh, he made a good chunk of change, though. Hopefully, he's living comfortably off of that. Over 300 pounds, looks like it. <laughs> That's a lot of cheeseburgers. Yeah. Hey, he yeah, hunts, he, man. He gets his own meat. Oh, pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> he, he hunts uh, docile cows, Are, huh? You guys aren't going to watch the Tim Sylvia hunting show? Oh really? Is I was that uh, I was I was checking out an interview with him last week, and yeah, apparently he was shooting some sort of hunting series. He's shopping around a pilot, huh? That'd be great. Him and Ted Nugent, maybe. Oh, <laughs> Wango Tango. I kid. I kid. Uh, other than that, um, not a. I mean, so what do we got coming up next week? So we have the UFC this weekend. Yeah. 
Uh, this is it. Kind of Strike Force has a few more events in June, but this is like I mean they had the back-to-back events this this oh, month. So finally, a little little in the next martial arts break, huh? Yeah, maybe. And then we got you know the uh, next WEC is not until the 20th of June. And a big week of uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Maybe the first big week of the Ultimate Fighter coming up. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, we killed Greg. And again. Greg's gone. All right. Well, that's a good place to end. Maybe he just was bored with our conversation. It really could quick. Be. I don't know if you're the breaking news. Shaquille O'Neal. Unlockable character in the UFC 2010 video game. Oh, awesome! For what system? Uh, who cares? Uh, I would hope, hopefully, all of them. Hopefully, all of them. Shaq, yeah. really? Yeah, bust Shaq up from Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu? Yeah. Coming at you? Yeah. Oh man, I think I may want to actually get that game now. Wait. Oh, I hope he it. comes out to one of his own rap songs. Oh, that'd be awesome. Maybe that Kobe Bryant diss that he had for a while. Uh, I was cool. so, hope, I think something vintage off of like Shaq Diesel or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Something yeah. relevant like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. When you're still <laughs> with the magic. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, are you going to get the video game? Uh, eventually. Uh, yeah. Nothing too pressing on it, though. I'm, I'm kind of what they call poor at the moment, trying to... Uh, Trying to save a little bit on the bucks but right dude, now. Dude, you've got this mixed martial arts podcast. you got to be raking yeah. in the dough. Plus, I'm a freelance writer for the local paper. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll get it eventually. I think I actually have to buy it new if I want to play it online, actually. So. Is that a dig towards me? No. Towards the people who have to make you get codes to play games online now. Oh, I see. Because, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Audio Choke here at MMATorch.com. Thank you for uh, downloading us on iTunes. It's for free. Please do that. That'd be very nice of you. Leave a comment for the first time. Uh, leave. Uh, go to the forum. Start up a discussion. And uh, also some Fedor news next week. I saw him doing some training uh, on a video. And they've got those sticks that they're beating him with. You oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But until next time, really appreciate you tuning in. On the phone was Greg Rowland. I'm Toby Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. See you next time. I never found the movie!